Good day, everyone. Welcome to the Memorial Heights Baptist Church podcast. Thank you so much for joining us as we open up and listen to God's Word together. Today's message is number four in Pastor DJ Richie's Christmas Promise series. This promise is The Promise Dedicated, and it was given during our Sunday morning worship service on December 27, 2020. If you have not yet subscribed, please do. When you do, you will receive a notification each time we post a new message and will always be up to date. We hope this encourages you in your relationship with Christ, and if it does, we would love to connect with you in person sometime. But for now, grab your Bible, open your ears, and let's get into it. Father, we thank you for sending your only begotten Son to this world. We thank you, God, for the message of Christmas, the meaning of Christmas, God, May we never forget why it is that Jesus was born as a man, God, that you sent your son to die for our sins, Uh, but God, you raised him victoriously from the dead as well, and so God, we are here today to uh, honor and worship you as our Heavenly Father because of all that Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, has done for us, and so it's in Jesus' name that we pray, amen. Turn with me to Luke chapter 2. One of the scariest days of my life was when we took our son Elijah home from the hospital. Now, it was scary whenever he, he came into this world. That was a, a very scary day as well. He, uh, when he was coming out, he got the cord wrapped around his neck. And, uh, of course, uh, with modern technology, Gigi was all hooked up, and we could hear his little heartbeat. And so I could hear his heartbeat uh, starting to drop and... and uh, so my heart started to slow down, and I started to pray like I'd never prayed before, and I saw the look on the nurse's face, I saw the look on the doctor's face, and uh, thank God uh, he answered our prayers, and Elijah was uh, delivered successfully, and so there's this incredible uh, sigh of uh, relief and praise to God for the successful birth, and just uh, that memory of uh, them plopping Elijah down on Gigi's belly, and he, he came out uh, blue, uh, and so there's that moment of terror, but then he, uh, he was loud. He got that loud cry, and uh, so uh, he, he was so active there on that uh, table when they were cleaning him up, I thought he was going to flip himself over just as a newborn. He was so active, and he's, he stayed active, and he stayed loud ever since. Praise the Lord for that, and so... Uh, that uh, terror turned to joy and uh, just the exhaustion of it all. And, uh, and then you get handed the child and you got to put him in the car seat and you got to take him home for the first time. And the terror of that, you know. Now, we live pretty close to the hospital, so it, we only had to go a, a, a few miles to get him to our apartment that day, but it, I, I've never driven that safely in my life. That first ride, uh, uh, it made sure I missed every pothole in Johnstown, which took uh, took quite a, a a lot of work. If you've been to Johnstown, imagine what it was like for Mary and Joseph to take Jesus. They had to travel. They had to do a lot of traveling. They they went farther than two miles, and they didn't have a car seat for that precious child, uh, but they, uh, they had the stress of that Christmas night whenever they had to give birth 
Mary had to give birth to the Messiah in a cave, in a stable, had to lay him in a manger because there was no room for him in the inn. But then the drama continues as they now have this little gift from God and uh, this little child that they are to care for. But uh, they knew even more certainly than we know, or certainly they should have known, uh, that God was with them in that, that this child had a destiny to fulfill. Uh, They didn't have to fear the way that we fear when we're holding our little child because they knew that this this child was born with a mission that he was going to grow up, that he was going to do some great and mighty things. And no, they didn't understand all of that as we'll see even today. Just because Mary knew some things that the angel had told her didn't mean that she understood those things. And sometimes we make fun of that song, Mary, Did You Know? And people say, oh, of course she knew. Well, she didn't know as much as we think that she knew. She didn't understand a lot, as we'll see today in Luke chapter 2 as the story continues. But we've been looking at this first promise that God ever made over the last month together. The very first promise that God made to humanity. Way back in the Garden of Eden, Genesis 3.15, He would put enmity between Satan and the woman, between Satan's seed and the woman's seed. God said right there in the garden, you're going to know the coming Savior because unlike all, all the other children who are going to be born, He's not going to be born of the seed of the man. He's going to be born of the seed of the woman. He's going to be virgin born. And He's going to come as a great warrior. He's going to actually crush the head of the serpent and God said to Satan that day, Satan, you're just going to get a you're going to get a bite on his heel. You're going to bruise his heel. But Satan is going to be crushed. And Satan was defeated on the cross when Jesus came. And we do celebrate the birth of the warrior king, that warrior king who was prophesied for thousands of years before finally 2000 years ago he came. And today we're going to look at the dedication of that promise. What Joseph and Mary did, according to the law of Moses, after that birth, as they had to carry him to Jerusalem from Bethlehem, as they had to present him at the temple. And there are some things that God wants us to learn from this story. None of the words in the Bible are there for fluff. None of the words of the Bible are there for, uh, for window dressing. Every word of God has a purpose. Every word of God has something to teach us. And so we're going to look at a story today that may not have direct application for us in that we don't literally take uh, our children to the literal temple in Jerusalem the way that Joseph and Mary did when they took Jesus to the temple. But as we've already seen this morning when Pastor Nick and Nicole uh, brought their son Judah to be dedicated to the New Testament temple, which is the church, there are some things that we can learn as a church from this story. There's some things that we can learn uh, as parents from Jesus' first trip to the temple. Let me remind you what we have been seeing in Galatians chapter 4 over the last few weeks together. Paul writes in Galatians chapter 4, even so we, when we were children, were in bondage under the elements of the world, but when the fullness of the time was come, 
God sent forth his son, made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. Luke, in his gospel, is making sure that we understand right from the outset that this promised child, this gift from God, not just to Joseph, not just to Mary, but to the whole world, this gift of the promise was born under the law. That's going to be so important because under the law, he's able to fulfill the law. And because he's able to fulfill the law, he's able to die in our place as our substitute. He's able to pay for our sins. He's able to shed his blood in payment for the sins of the world. And so there are uh, some things that we need to know about how he came into the world. There are some things that we need to learn from this story as well about his dedication under the law. And there are really three, uh, three sections to this story. There are uh, uh, three points that Luke makes as he goes through this. Let's just read through these verses together and then we'll walk back through them as we unpack them together. Luke chapter 2, we'll pick the story up in verse 21. When the eight days were accomplished for the circumcision of the child, his name was called Jesus, Yahweh's salvation, Yahweh saves, which was so named of the angel before he was conceived in the womb. And when the days of her purification, according to the law of Moses, were accomplished, they brought him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord, as it is written in the law of the Lord. Every male that openeth the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. And to offer a sacrifice according to that which is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And the same man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel and the Holy Ghost was upon him, and it was revealed unto him by the Holy Ghost that he should not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came by the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him after the custom of the law, then took he him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now lettest thou thy servant depart in peace according to thy word for mine eyes have seen thy salvation which thou hast prepared before the face of all people a light to lighten the gentiles and the glory of thy people israel and joseph and his mother marveled at those things which were spoken of him see mary didn't know as much as we might think and Simeon blessed them and said unto Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is set for the fall and rising again of many in Israel, and for a sign which shall be spoken against. Yea, a sword shall pierce through thy own soul also, that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. And there was one Anna, a prophetess, the daughter of Phanuel, of the tribe of Asher, and she was of a great age which is an understatement. We find out that she had lived with a husband seven years from her virginity. We don't know how old she was when she got married, but she got married young. She was married for seven years. And then she was a widow of about fourscore and four years, which departed not from the temple, but served God with fastings and prayers night and day. And she coming in that instant gave thanks likewise unto the Lord and spake of him to all them that looked for redemption in Jerusalem. And when they had performed all things according to the law of the Lord, they returned into Galilee to their own city, Nazareth. 
And the child grew and waxed strong in spirit, filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. The promise has come to the temple. And again, three acts that really flow through this story. The first one uh, we see Luke tells us in verses 21 through 24, the promise is dedicated to the Lord by Joseph and by Mary. Now, there's three things that I think we can learn this morning from this dedication of the baby Jesus. Number one, like Joseph and Mary, we need to follow God's revealed will. We need to follow God's revealed will. God placed Jesus in the care of a man and a woman who he knew would be obedient to the law. That does not mean that either of them were perfect. Mary was not sinless. Mary, as we saw a few weeks ago, uh, glorified it that she was going to give birth to God, her Savior. Mary needed a Savior as well as we do. But they, even though they were not perfect, the, these, uh, these young people, especially Mary, we, we can uh, gather from the story and from uh, the culture, what we know of the first century, she was very young, and yet they were very faithful to God. They followed God's revealed will. Now again, we are no longer under the law of Moses. Jesus Christ, the perfect Lamb of God, has fulfilled the law of Moses. We're studying the book of Galatians on Sunday nights. The book of Hebrews is all about this. The book of Romans goes into this in great detail. We are not under the law. Jesus Christ has fulfilled the law of Moses. He said, don't think I've come to destroy the law and the prophets. I've not come to destroy them, but to fulfill them. Nevertheless, please remember, as sons and daughters of the Heavenly Father, we still are under the law of Christ. We still have commandments that we're to follow. We're not under the law like Mary and Joseph. We're not under the law like Jesus was under the law. Nevertheless, we are under the law of Christ. Paul talks about this uh, in the book of Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, he says when he's preaching unto the Jews, he says, I became as a Jew that I might gain the Jews to them that are under the law as under the law that I might gain them that are under the law to them that are without law as without law. And then he says, being not without law to God, but under the law of Christ that I might gain them that are without law. To the weak it became I as weak that I might gain the weak. I made I am made all things to all men that I might by all means save some. Paul says, when I'm trying to reach people who are living like they're under the law of Moses, then I, I observe the, the, the rituals of the law, not because I'm under the law, but because I'm trying to, uh, to reach those who are living that way. I want to make sure that I'm not putting a stumbling block in their way. But when I'm trying to reach the Gentiles, Paul says, I don't follow the law of Moses, but that doesn't mean that I'm lawless. That doesn't mean that I, that I don't have responsibilities, that there aren't commands in Scripture to follow. Certainly, Jesus simplified uh, the law and the prophets with two commandments. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And certainly, we can summarize, as Jesus said, we can summarize all the law and prophets by those two commandments. But that does not mean that we don't need the rest of Scripture the reason that we have so much Scripture, the reason that we have so much New Testament is so that we can know how to love God. To know what that looks like. To know how to love our neighbor. To know what that looks like. 
Because my heart is still, even as a Christian, is still deceitful, desperately wicked. And I can deceive myself into thinking I'm being loving when I'm actually enabling. I can think I'm being loving when I'm actually just trying to avoid conflict, avoid confrontation. So I need to make sure I'm following God's revealed will. This is why Paul praised the church at Rome in Romans 16. He says, your obedience is come abroad unto all men. I am glad, therefore, on your behalf, but yet I would have you wise unto that which is good and simple concerning evil. And the God of peace shall bruise Satan under your feet shortly. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Amen. See, that promise is going to ultimately be filled when, when Jesus comes back in the second coming to literally uh, take that serpent, the devil, the ancient serpent, the, the fiery red dragon, and, and cast him uh, into the bottomless pit for a thousand years. But we as his body, the church, get to spiritually fulfill that promise of crushing the head of the serpent, not because of our strength or what we do, but be, because if we are living in obedience to the Lord and if we are wise about what is good, if we're simple about what is evil, Paul says, then Satan is going to be crushed under our feet because God will, by his spirit and his power through our obedience, give us spiritual victory over the enemy. And so we need to make sure that we are living under the law of God. Ephesians chapter 5, See then that ye walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Wherefore be ye not unwise, but understanding what the Lord's will is. And Paul uh, in Philippians, Paul tells the Philippian church that he wants them to do all things without murmurings and disputings, that ye may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God without rebuke, in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation, among whom ye shine as lights in the world, holding forth the word of life, that I may rejoice in the day of Christ, as I have not run in vain, neither labored in vain. We talked about, uh, on Christmas Eve, we talked about Jesus Christ being the light of the world, John chapter 1. He is the true light. He is the light of all men in John chapter 1. But like John the Baptist, we are his candle holders. We carry his light to the world. We are called to let his light so shine among us that people will see, his, see our good works and give him glory. See what God is doing in our lives and through our lives. And so we are the light of the world in that we carry his light. We are not the light source but we are called to carry His light. And so we need to follow the examples of Joseph and Mary in obeying the will of God. And when they dedicated Jesus, they brought with them a sacrifice. <clears throat> I'm not going to get uh, real deep into what the law required. That's not really the, the point of, of what we're discussing this morning. But I want to show you that there's something else we can learn from Joseph and Mary. Not only do we follow God's revealed will, but we give God what we have. Give God what we have. The law required different sacrifices. And apparently, Mary and Joseph couldn't afford the best sacrifice. So they had to give the sacrifice of the poor. Which tells us that Mary and Joseph, while they had the infinite God in their care. God did not see fit to pour out financial blessing on them. 
those blessings come to some of us, and God sometimes chooses to bless uh, His church with riches, but the true riches are the eternal riches. The true riches are, are what we get to, to experience in heaven. Jesus said, send your treasure ahead whenever you can, where moth doesn't uh, d- destroy it and thieves don't break in and steal it. And so we see them giving a simple sacrifice, the requirement of the law, two turtle doves, two young pigeons, all that they apparently could afford, and yet they gave God what they had. And what that shows us is that God is looking not for quantity, but quality when it comes to our sacrifices. God's not impressed with the amount of your gift. He's impressed with the percentage of your gift. And more than that, He's impressed with the motive of your gift, the heart of your gift the heart behind what is given second corinthians chapter 9 paul says this i say he which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly and he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully every man according as he hath purposed in his heart so let him give not grudgingly or of necessity for god loveth the cheerful giver and god is able to make all grace abound toward you that ye always having all sufficiency in all things may abound to every good work. Now, sometimes we'll talk about tithing, and let, let me just say that our church has been very faithful in, in giving even during the, the lockdowns, even during now where we're, uh, we have many of our church family who aren't able to gather because of health concerns and, and uh, legitimate um, concerns that they have, yet our church continues to give, and we're so thankful for your, for your giving heart. And so this is, this is really a, a word of encouragement to you to continue to do what you are doing to give God from your heart according to how he has blessed you. God is looking for cheerful givers, and he's looking for the amount that you have purposed in your heart to give. Uh, We talk about tithing sometimes. The word tithe means 10%. I think tithing is a good standard to use. We see Abraham gave a tithe even before the law of Moses when he uh, encountered the priest uh, Melchizedek. But nowhere in the New Testament is there an amount that is set. So we don't say this by law. We say this by principle that 10% is a good good starting point. But you may be in a season of of your life where 10% may be a, a real challenge. Not because of recklessness of finances. Not because of irresponsibility of your finances. That's a different that's a different issue. But you may be, you just may be in a, in a time of financial turmoil. You may be in a season of difficulty, and 10% may be a challenge. What have you purposed in your heart to give? What are you able to give to the Lord cheerfully? That's what you need to, that's what you need to seek. Some of us may be in a season of life where 10%, we don't even notice. And if we think, if we just lock in on that amount... And, and just give, we, we could be giving so much more at a particular season in our life. And so you need to give according, as Paul says, according to as you purpose in your heart, as you prayerfully consider uh, with uh, your spouse if you're married, uh, what you are able to give to the Lord. And so 
That's an example that is set for us here by Joseph and Mary, giving the Lord what they were able to give. They gave what they had. Number three, don't act entitled when it comes to obedience. If there was anybody who had a right to think that they could be entitled, it was Mary and to a lesser extent, Joseph. God has given us the Savior. We're taking care of We're taking care of the Son of God. Why should we have to give? Why should we have to travel to the temple? We're with God, right? Emmanuel, God with us. They weren't entitled. They weren't looking for excuses not to obey God. How many of us get in trouble because we think because of our position or what we've given or how long we've been part of the church or how long we've served? We, we start to get entitled. And we think, well, I can let this slide. I can let my prayer life slide. I can let my giving slide. I can let my service to the Lord slide. Now, sometimes God will transition us to different ministries. Doesn't mean if you get locked into a ministry, doesn't mean that you have to do that for the rest of your life. Please understand that I, as your pastor, I don't, if you're involved in a ministry, I don't expect you to have to do that for the rest of your life. The Lord will sometimes lead us into different areas of service, but we need to be in service. In service somewhere to someone for the glory of the Lord. Don't act entitled. Luke chapter 17, verse 10, So likewise ye, when ye shall have done all those things which are commanded of you, say, here's what Jesus says we should say, we are unprofitable servants, we have done that which was our duty to do. I as a pastor need to uh, remind myself of this all the time. I am just a servant and an unprofitable one at that. Anything good that comes through me is, is the whole work of the Holy Spirit. It's, it's, it's the power of God. It's not, it's not anything that is of me. It's not anything that's of my intellect. And so I need to make sure that I am trusting in the Lord, that I have the attitude of a servant. That was Paul's attitude. Hey, listen, I, Paul said, I'm a slave for Christ. That's how I see myself. I'm not, I'm not walking around talking, expecting everybody to call me the apostle. I'm not some super apostle. Paul said, I want to be very humble in how I serve, and all of us need that reminder. Remember that, as we saw a a few weeks ago, Mary and Joseph's blessings came after the obedience that they were already demonstrating to the Lord. But their obedience continued after the blessing as well. Their obedience preceded the blessing and continued after the blessing. The blessing. Paul to Timothy uh, tells Timothy to remember that, listen, you're a soldier. You're, you're, you're a soldier in the army of the Lord. And you need to be a good soldier and seek to please your commanding officer. Don't, don't think just because you're hanging out with the Apostle Paul that you're something special, that, you don't, that the rules don't apply to you. All of us need to make sure that our service is a service to the Lord. We're not entitled We're not trying to cut corners or skimp. Don't act entitled. The promise is dedicated. We need to learn from the example 
of Joseph and Mary's obedience in following God's reveal, giving God what they could give and continuing in their obedience, not, not being entitled. Now, the, she, the, 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 scene, the scene then shifts. And we, we're introduced to somebody who doesn't appear anywhere else in the Scriptures, a, a man by the name of Simeon who was an old man and God had revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he was going to live until the Messiah came. Now, remember, we've, we've seen several times over the last few weeks that the prophet Daniel revealed in Daniel chapter 9 the exact date that Messiah was going to be cut off, but not for himself. The exact place where he would be born. And so the whole nation should have been looking for the coming of Messiah, the birth of Messiah. Simeon was wise enough and, and guided by the Holy Spirit was able to know that, hey, it's coming, it's coming. And the Holy Spirit then s- and said something else to him, said, guess what? You're going to live long enough to see it. And so he had this expectation and he's filled with the Holy Spirit. And so then in the second act of this passage, we see that the promise is received and blessed by the Lord. And God blesses the promise. God blesses Jesus. God receives the dedication of Jesus through His servant, Simeon. And how often does God work through His servants? We are the hands and feet of Jesus. We are called to be His hands and feet as the church. We are the body of Christ. We're called that for a reason. And God chooses to work through us. And so we need to make sure that in all things we start with prayer and asking God for His blessing, for His leadership, for His empowerment. But prayer does not mean that we sit back and do nothing. I heard a, uh, a politician giving a speech the other uh, few days ago. I don't remember exactly when it was. I've seen a lot of that lately, so I don't remember exactly when it was. But he was quoting a pastor, uh, Tommy Nelson in Texas, and uh, Pastor Tommy said, you know, just because we pray, yes, we're supposed to pray, but God doesn't expect you to lean on your shovel and pray for a hole. God doesn't call you to lean on your shovel and pray for a hole. God expects you to do some digging. Ask and it shall be given to you, yes, but then Jesus says also, seek and ye shall find. Knock and the door shall be opened unto you. So there's some things that we have to do and God chooses to use His servant Simeon at this time. There's some things that I want you to remember as we walk through this act, this, this part of the story the reception of the, of the promise, the blessing of the promise. And that is the affirmation, the reminder that God keeps His promises. Know that God will keep His promises. He kept His promise of sending the Messiah, given all the way back in the Garden of Eden, and He kept His promise to Simeon as well. And when God makes a promise, He will keep that promise because He cannot lie. Titus chapter 1, Paul, a servant of God, an apostle of Jesus Christ, according to the faith of God's elect and the acknowledging of the truth, which is after godliness, in hope of eternal life, which God that cannot lie promised before the world began. Why don't I need to fear death? Because I have the hope of eternal life in Jesus Christ. And that's a promise that he made even before he made the promise in the Garden of Eden. He didn't reveal that promise. 
There wasn't anybody to reveal it to yet. At least not, in, not, to, hum, not to humanity. But it was a promise that God made. And he cannot lie. A promise that he made to himself. Father to son. That this was going to be the eternal life that he was going to give to his creation. And in due time, Paul goes on to say, he manifested his word through preaching, which is committed unto me according to the commandment of God, our Savior. God keeps his promises. I don't know what promise of the Scripture you need to cling to today. I hope that you're in the Scriptures. I hope that you're in the Word of God looking for God's promises to you. I don't know what promise you need today, whether it's the promise that God will give you wisdom if you ask for it, whether it's the promise that He will never leave you or forsake you, whether it's the promise of eternal life, the promise of divine power. I don't know what promise you need today, but I want you to claim it on the authority of the Word of God and remind yourself that God cannot lie. And if He's promised me that, He will fulfill it. We see that in the testimony of Simeon. Know that God will and keep, will keep His promises because He cannot lie. Number two, know that Christ is God's salvation for everyone. What was it that Simeon was called to do? He was called by the Holy Spirit to give a prophecy over this precious child, this small child. Because he's, he's still a little baby at this point. A light to lighten, really a light to enlighten the Gentiles. He's not saying that, that the Gentiles are going to lose weight there. He's saying that the, the Gentiles are going to be enlightened. That they're going to be able to understand some things. That he's going to shine the light of truth. He's going to reveal salvation to the Gentiles. And he is the glory of thy people Israel. God has provided salvation for every man, every woman, every child on the face of this earth through Jesus Christ. He is the Savior of the world. He's not just the Savior of Israel. He's not just the Savior of the church. He is the Savior that has extended salvation to every man. John 6.40, this is the will of Him that sent me, that everyone which seeth the Son and believeth on him may have everlasting life, and I will raise him up at the last day. First Timothy chapter 2, this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who will have all men to be saved and to come unto the knowledge of the truth. First John chapter 2, my little children, these things write I unto you, that ye sin not. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous, and he is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. Jesus Christ is the Savior of the world. And we see that in the testimony of this man, Simeon, speaking prophetically by inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Know that salvation is for everyone through Jesus Christ, God's way, God's truth, God's life. But know also this. Christ demands a response. Look at what Simeon says again, as Joseph and his mother are marveling that this is happening. And Simeon blessed them and said unto Mary his mother, Behold, this child is set for the fall and rising again of many in Israel, and for a sign which shall be spoken against, verse 35, Yea, a sword shall pierce through thy own soul also, that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. And just the thought of what Mary must have felt as she stood at the cross. 
and the sword, the, 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 the spear pierced the side of our Savior, and blood and water flowed. Because it was all about the cross. That's why he came. He came to die. He came to shed his blood to pay for the sins of the whole world. But that sacrifice demands a response. Some, Simeon says, will rise in response to this sacrifice. Some will fall. Jesus would go on to tell us that, sadly, many choose the wide gate. Few find the narrow gate, even though the gate is standing open for every man, every woman, every child. Christ demands a response. You can receive him, and you can reject him, but you cannot ignore him forever. You can ignore him for a few years. You can ignore him for a few decades. If you live to be 110, you can ignore him for 110 years. But friend, there is a day coming when you will not be able to ignore the one who created you. You will not be able to ignore the one who died for you, who rose again, who offered you forgiveness of sins. And so Christ demands a response. Paul said this to the philosophers on Mars Hill in Athens in Acts 17. He said, The times of this ignorance God winked at, but now commandeth all men everywhere to repent because he hath appointed a day in the which he will judge the world in righteousness by that man whom he hath ordained whereof he hath given assurance unto all men and that he hath raised him from the dead hebrews chapter 9 it is appointed unto men once to die but after this the judgment so christ was once offered to bear the sins of many and unto them that look for him shall he appear the second time without sin unto salvation and in second corinthians chapter 5 for we must all appear before the judgment seat of christ that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done whether it be good or bad and that specifically paul is speaking to the christians but then in chapter 6 he says we then as workers together with him beseech you also that you receive not the grace of god in vain for he saith i have heard thee and in a time accepted in the day of salvation have i succored thee behold now is the accepted time behold now is the day of salvation this is the opportunity that you have today if you're sitting here and you don't know jesus christ if you're watching today if you're listening to the podcast there's never been a time in your life when you've admitted that you need a savior you've admitted to god that you're a sinner who needs a savior You've never accepted Jesus Christ's payment for your sin. You've never placed your faith in Yahweh's salvation, Jesus. That's what it means to believe in His name, to believe on His name, to understand that He is God's only way. God the Son of God came from God the Father as the only way to God the Father, the only way to be forgiven of your sin. And Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sin. He shed His blood. He rose again victorious. He offers you forgiveness all you have to do is admit that you need forgiveness admit that you need him as your savior admit that he died for your sins admit that he rose again place your faith in him call upon the name of the lord and romans 10 promises us you shall be saved he demands a response and know this also 
Christ will reveal your heart. Christ will reveal your heart. He will reveal the thoughts of many hearts, Simeon prophesied. We saw that in Ecclesiastes chapter 12. When we recently finished our study of the book of Ecclesiastes, the book ends reminding us God shall bring every work into judgment with every secret thing, whether it be good or whether it be evil. Paul said to the Romans in Romans chapter 2, When the Gentiles which have not the law do by nature the things contained in the law, these having not the law are a law unto themselves, which show the work of the law written in their hearts, their conscience also bearing witness, and their thoughts the mean while accusing or else excusing one another in the day when God shall judge the secrets of men by Jesus Christ according to my gospel. You know, I've spent a lot of years working with kids working with teenagers, working with younger kids when I was a social worker. And it is very true that we, as the Scriptures say, we can harden our hearts. We can sear our conscience. But having worked with kids, and I worked with some rough kids. I worked in a a residential setting with some very rough kids. Some of them were coming from lockdown facilities, even as little kids. Some of them were heading to lockdown facilities. In fact, the place that I worked uh, after I left, it actually uh, became certified to lock down kids in in certain circumstances because of violent behavior, whether it be towards themselves or others. And yet, even in that environment, even with working with kids who could be incredibly violent, incredibly hurtful, I saw conscience at work I saw conviction of sin even kids who didn't know Jesus even kids who didn't believe in God yet their conscience was still pierced and over time scripture warns we can sear our conscience we can harden our heart but we're all born with the ability to feel guilt to feel shame I see it in our little child when he feels guilt for something and he gets overwhelmed with it and he'll say, Elijah, Elijah's bad. And so it gives me an opportunity to say, yes, you did something bad and yes, you need to be forgiven. And I get an opportunity to tell him about Jesus and I know he doesn't understand it yet, but I don't know when he's going to understand it. So I pour it on as, as often as I get an opportunity. We come into this world. God will reveal your hearts. And even if you've hardened your heart, Jeremiah says, God says through the prophet Jeremiah, that is not my word like a hammer. Some of you need a hammer. Some of you need your heart hammered. God's word will break your heart. It'll crack. Sometimes that's what we need. Even as Christians, we can harden our hearts. And sometimes the the love of the Father is in bringing God's Word down on our heart like a hammer. Sometimes we respond best to a kind word. Sometimes what we need is a sharp word from God. God, Jesus Christ, will reveal your heart through His Word. Hebrews chapter 4, the Word of God is quick 
and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight, but all things are naked and opened unto the eyes of him with whom we have to do. You need to be in God's Word. You need to be reading God's Word on your own. Because it's God's Word that God is going to use, the Holy Spirit's going to use to prick your heart, to convict your heart, in some cases to break our hearts. I remember where I was when God broke my heart. I remember where I was when God broke my will. I was living in rebellion and my, my heart was, had grown cold and, and God brought some things into my life to get my attention. And I pray that you don't let your heart get cold like I did. Because it's not fun to feel the hammer of God's word. Christ will reveal your heart as Simeon by the Holy Spirit prophesied. Now, we've seen the promise dedicated. We've seen the promise received and blessed through the servant Simeon. God has another servant here, a prophetess named Anna. And here we see at the close of this section, the promise is declared. It's declared specifically to those who are seeking redemption. And God speaks through this ancient woman, very old woman. But again, not entitled, not looking to retire from service to the Lord. She couldn't serve in a lot of ways, but she could pray. Some of you are listening you're not able to serve the Lord like you were able to. I saw this in my grandparents' lives. They were so faithful in serving the Lord until their bodies literally gave out. But you can pray. You can be a prayer warrior. And how we need prayer warriors in the church today. Promise is declared by those seeking, uh, to the seeking redemption through his prophetess Anna. Look at these verses again. There was one Anna, prophetess. She was a widow, verse 37, for a very long time. She departed not the temple, served God with fastings and prayers night and day. And in coming, verse 38, coming in, in that instant, she gave thanks likewise unto the Lord, spake of him to all them that looked for the redemption in Jerusalem. Let me just give you some very quick encouragement here from these verses. Number one, wait on the Lord and serve him faithfully. Anna was waiting on the Lord and she was serving him. And it was in her service that she got to experience one of the greatest miracles in all of human history. Jesus Christ brought into the temple as a baby. What a phenomenal moment. Psalm 27, wait on the Lord, be of good courage, he shall strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Psalm 37, 34, wait on the Lord and keep his way and he shall exalt thee to inherit the land when the wicked are cut off. Thou shalt see it. Oh, I want to see that today. I want to see the wicked cut off. But I know whenever it comes, I will see it. Whenever, whenever it comes. 2 Timothy 4.8 Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day. And not to me only, but unto all them that also love His appearing. Are you waiting for the appearing of Jesus Christ? There's a reward for those of us who are. Wait on the Lord. Serve Him while you're waiting. Number two, respond with thanks to the Lord for what He's already given. Here, 
we see the emphasis is on the gift of His Son, Jesus Christ. Speaking to yourselves, Paul says, in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting yourselves to one another in the fear of God. We need to spend some time this week as 2020 ends. Let's be thankful not just that 2020 is ending. Because who knows what 2021 is going to bring. But let's be thankful for what God has done. What God has done in our life, what God's done uh, in our church, our ability as we've already uh, thanked the Lord for today, our ability to continue to meet uh, in the midst of, of all this craziness. Respond specifically this Christmas season with thanks for the gift of His Son. And then follow in His example and tell anyone and everyone who will listen about Him. Anyone and everyone who will listen what God has done through Jesus Christ. 2 Corinthians is a passage where Paul says we're ambassadors. We're here as ambassadors. We're making His plea. God is making His plea through us. Be reconciled to God. He who knew no sin became sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God. Now as we come to the conclusion here, after baby Jesus is dedicated, uh, we see that the parents continue to train Him up in the fear of the Lord. And we see also that God Himself is at work. Look again at verse 40. The child grew and waxed strong in spirit and filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon Him. You know, there's a somewhat obscure prophecy in Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 50, if I can find it. Isaiah chapter 50, verse 4. Says this, the Lord God hath given me the tongue of the learned, that I should know how to speak a word in season to him that is weary. He wakeneth morning by morning, he wakeneth mine ear to hear as the learned. Do you know how Jesus woke up every morning? God, God the Father woke him up every morning. Isaiah 50, verse 4. You might want to write that down and look at that verse. Every morning. Jesus spent with His Father. And God the Father woke Him up every morning. The grace of God was upon Him. And He taught Him. How, did, how was it that Jesus knew the Scripture so well? He was taught by God the Father Himself as a child. God the Father was working. Mary and Joseph were serving. And Jesus was growing. The child grew and waxed strong in spirit, filled with wisdom, the grace of God was upon him. He grew physically. He grew emotionally. He grew mentally. He grew spiritually. And let me just challenge you again, parents. We've had a baby dedication this morning. This is how God wants us to raise our children. This is how God wants us to raise our children. We're to look out not just for the physical needs of our children, but for their emotional needs, their mental needs, their spiritual needs. Proverbs 22 Again, train up a child in the way he should go. When he is old, he will not depart from it. Ephesians 6.4, Fathers, provoke not your children to wrath. Bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. We are responsible for the entire person. Not just for their physical needs, not just for their academic needs, not just for their social needs. We have a responsibility to train them up 
in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Jesus grew physically. He grew emotionally. He grew mentally. He grew spiritually. And as we close today, friend, this is how God wants us to sanctify ourselves as well. This is how God wants to sanctify us as we submit to his sanctification process. 1 Thessalonians 5, the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. And I pray, God, your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless under the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Faithful is he that calleth you who also will do it. What do you need this morning? Do you need to, as we head into 2021, do you need to spend a little more time focusing on your physical needs so that you can have more energy to serve the Lord? Do you need to focus a little more time on your emotional needs, your psychological needs? Do you need to focus more on your spiritual needs? All of us need to focus on all three of those things as we head into this new year. God wants us to be set apart the whole person. And he illustrates for that. He illustrates that for us in his own son. As we end this year, as we end this study on God's first promise, let's give thanks to the Lord for what he's done. Let's continue to serve him. And let's follow the example not only of Joseph and Mary, but of baby Jesus, young boy Jesus, toddler Jesus, middle schooler Jesus, high schooler Jesus, the man Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins, rose victorious from the dead. Let's give him praise as we stand together and close in prayer. Father, thank you so much for sending your son Jesus Christ, God, to die on a cross, to rise victorious from the dead, but God, to live a life before that, a life of obedience to you, a life of example to us, a sinless life, God, so that you could offer your son as the sinless sacrifice. Father, we pray that we would be so inspired, God, by the gift that you have given to us, God, that we would continue throughout the year to come into your presence, adoring your Son, Jesus Christ. And it's his, in, in his name we pray. Amen. Well, that wraps up today's message. We hope this has made an impact on your life and encourages you to follow and reflect Jesus daily. If it has, please give us a five-star rating on whatever platform you listen on and share with a friend so others might be encouraged as well you have never accepted Christ as your Savior and would like to know how, join us on Sunday mornings at 10.30, Sunday nights at 7 o'clock, Wednesday nights at 6.45, or even give one of our pastors a call at 301-724-5876. We would love to hear from you. We hope to see you soon, and until next time, stay faithful.